guys, welcome to the Fieldcrafts for All podcast. I'm going to be your host for this ad space. Just want to bring attention to a couple companies that really make this possible for us. And uh, these are some really good folks out there. First company I want to bring some attention to is Black Rifle Coffee. If you have been living under a rock, you might not know that Black Rifle Coffee is a veteran-owned coffee company. They're located over in Salt Lake City, but there are stores opening up all over the United States now. And the coffee is available online and all over the place. Uh, you really want to go take a look at some of the stuff that they offer. I'm a big fan of their instant coffee packets for travel. You know, when the airline comes around and they're like, hey, you know, do you want something to drink? I usually will just say, give me hot water. Uh, and I'll use the Black Rifle coffee packets just because it's so damn strong. Uh, I would rather do that than use some of their other kind of anemic coffee. So I, I'm a big fan of Black Rifle coffee, instant coffee packs. Uh, other stuff that they have that you might want to pay attention to, obviously they've got a whole lineup of ground coffee. They're just black, silencer smooth, gunship. I mean, the list goes on and on. We, of course, at Fieldcraft Survival have the Endurance blend of coffee, which is pretty damn good. And if you come to any of our training events, you're more than likely going to find it brewing uh, over the campfire. That is, if you come to our survival training events, I don't know if these jokers are doing at the, the gun stuff. They're probably, I don't know doing something else, but they're not drinking Black Rifle coffee over a campfire. Totally different class. All right. So uh, check these guys out, blackriflecoffee.com. You can use our coupon code, which is CRAFT15, and that's going to give you a discount when you check out. The only thing I think that is not included with this Black Rifle Coffee coupon code, CRAFT15, are the ready-to-drink things. They're just too damn heavy to ship, I'm guessing, but you can get all your coffee you can get Keurig cups. You can get all sorts of good stuff. And uh, I highly, highly suggest you check them out. The other company I want to bring your attention to is Sig Sauer. Sig Sauer is located up in New Hampshire. And if you guys are not familiar with New Hampshire, state motto, live free or die. That's right. Granite State, awesome people up there. I love going back to New England. I was born in New England. And I spent a lot of time up in New Hampshire. And I've spent a lot of time at the Sig Sauer Academy training all different types of firearms and all different types of uh, skills and, and skill sets. So uh, please check them out, sigsauer.com. And uh, take a look at where they've been and what they've done, right? Sig is one of those names that you can rely on, you can trust. They've been in the game a very, very long time. Um, it seems like in the 80s and in the 90s, the classic series pistols were really popular, right? Like the 220, 226, 228, 229. And then you start getting into the 2000s and the 2010s. And then you start seeing the emergence of other guns that SIG is producing, like the new 320, 365 variations that have come out and really just cornered the market when it comes to highly customizable guns. So please check them out as well. Um, and if you really want to try out something a hell of a lot of fun, you got to get your hands on either the MCX or the MPX. It, the way I can describe these two rifles, uh, well, rifle or pistol, depending if you get it with a pistol brace, it just has a different recoil impulse. It feels really, really good. Uh, sweet shooting guns, um, highly, highly capable guns. So please check them out. That is sigsour.com. And if you get a chance, check out the instructors. A lot of them have their own pages uh, from the SIG Academy. Again, great folks over there. So please check them out, sigsour.com. All right, guys, here we go. Let's get to this podcast. But the guys took a week to get it done. And, you know, 
it's got two different perspectives. It's it's actually pretty money, man. I need that because, like, I got a nan in in house nanny that babysits the kids. Yeah, and I want to be able to see my like I I like staying home with the kids and yeah. seeing them as much as possible because now they're three. So all these little experience like we were ghost hunting this morning with flashlights, and I'm like so rad, man, that we could do that together. Is your life pretty hectic as far as like travel and that kind of thing? It's insane. Yeah, it's insane. I'm on the road. This year, I'll probably be on the road 260 days. Oh, man. Yeah. Is that speaking, pumping the business? Speaking, or what the uh, speaking seminars, business meets, podcast. Like, I'm flying to Tim Pool's podcast nice. on Wednesday. Um, then flying to Andy Stump's for his wedding. Then flying back to New Hampshire for a week for SIG. Okay. Um, so it's all kinds of stuff, man. What it's do you do with SIG? So I, we, I'm like, I don't know, a brand ambassador kind of guy. So they're doing a Legion event for a week. And so I go out there with some of the guys, Jay Cutler and oh, some yeah. of the dudes will go out there and talk shit and hang out. No, that was like, got, uh, Laura, I tagged along with Laura to the SIG headquarters and went through like all yeah. that. And it's are you doing the SIG hunting game stuff or have you? Um, no, put, that, I mean, that's not, that's not, it hasn't been my world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I've, I've gone mostly through like Soranesis because like my football background. That's and right. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm trying to get into that world. I think the, because yeah. like, like even with the breathwork stuff, like you can do breathwork to pr like prep for altitude and obviously like kind of maximize your output outside and that's like you, you know Bert Soren don't you yeah he was there with us yeah yeah, yeah he's a man um yeah. but they're team one yeah <laughs> he, bastards yeah he's trying to merge that world of like performance and outdoor and kind of like build his hobby into a, a branch of the Sornex. so yeah um, I'm trying to help him do some of that stuff that's awesome yeah. you partnered in that or you or is it like not, you're an influencer for them or how does that work uh, they they supported me while i was playing and then like he's just he's like they i almost worked for him um because i like, got as i was like transitioning and figuring out whether i wanted to like coach full-time in like this optimal performance world or if i wanted to like network that way because like i can bullshit with the best of the strength coaches like i love the the training side of the world and then like it just kind of merged where he he kept supporting brought me into summer strong like he actually works with my doctor back home who's like this beautiful mind of like medicine and blood work and stuff and then brought me in for like speak breathing and then i led like the sauna nice stuff that led to i think uh ddc and me for their uh winter strong event their events are awesome but yeah like, the, the community they have around them and bert's just a selfless networker that like plugs everybody and just wants his tribe to grow and yeah. so um it's it's not like an ambassador but i'll always support them just because they supported me i hope to do more i hope to do more with Sornex and Bert like he's one of the kindest guys and most giving guys I've ever met um and then what he's doing behind kind of the community around the idea of like health and wellness and fitness is really cool because I don't think anybody does that on that level which is which is bringing people together which is cool yeah and it's like the winter strong event like nobody pays a dime to come it like started at 40 people and I think it's like 50 or now there's like 250 people there and it's just like he asks for um, like I can't remember what his his checklist was, but it was like uh, like honestly honesty and candor and selflessness. So like like you, you're here because you add value, so share that value selflessly. And then so we built like he builds this really cool communication standard at the event where everybody's just like sharing and helping and learning. And like you can go down, you can go do like vehicle um, remedy for like crazy scenarios, or you can come do sauna ice and breath work with me, or you can go do uh survival sh shit with laura or you can go to the range and like it's now it's like just this it's curious and candid was his 
um, was his kind of standard it's of genius. performance. Yeah, and it's um, and it's at his farm, right? It's at his farm, and his farm keeps growing. They keep adding hundreds of acres onto that. But then, like that has like a, I think it's like a twenty target uh, bow um, course. It has a mile long gun range. Like they they rent it out to like the state troopers and stuff to do their training. They use like South Carolina football to come and do like some like nighttime uh, mental resilience training for their team with Luke Day, their strength coach. Like it was just there's a bunch of stuff that he's doing that's really cool. And it's all just like giving back. And then like then he has this summer strong stuff where it's like, OK, some of the best minds in strength and conditioning are there to present on a topic of their choice, whether it's like velocity based training or just like your purpose. And so it's like a bunch of humans learning and sharing. And then like he's a big believer in like tribe and breaking bread so like there's obviously like multiple meals together and like cafeteria format and just doing really cool things they're just networking people and like so everybody feels like family really fast and it's obviously a family-owned company so you see like the legacy between his dad pops him and then his son's there like doing the deadlift competitions and it's just it's really easy to get magnetized into his world yeah it's weird because we we had a conversation about running parallel paths not even understanding what we were doing in each other's camps or spaces. You know, we use Field Cross Survival does it based off of preparedness because, you know, if, if, if two people from two different walks of life, two political affiliations, two different cultures come together and they go, hey, this idea of preparedness is something that I could buy into and then they could break bread together and build relationships. It's like, oh, well, we have more in common than we thought. And then as you merge the two worlds, it's like part of being prepared, part of being resilient is also being health, healthy and well, and also understanding kind of these things that, you know, my career in special operations, like we didn't know any of this. Mm. And those, we were supposed to be elite level athletes on the battlefield. And then we get like an NHL strength and conditioning coach who comes in and goes, guys, you're doing everything wrong. And we're like, what? What, what does it, what you're teaching me doesn't look right because it doesn't look hard. But what we're doing feels right because it feels hard. But when you're looking at longevity and all these things, it's like there's more information out there. And you guys are distilling all that information. Yeah, it's uh, like that, that. The military and special forces intrigues me because like now that's like now it's getting into high performance. Like that, like Bert does a good job of pulling those people into his world, too. Um, and like because they, they have like one of the massive military contracts and like when the military yep. redid their PT and all those things. But then he supports like. Um, Mike Rod, the 9-11 Foundation, like all these things, like he's just like what he does is, is really cool in that realm. But like the yeah, the optimal performance thing, like that PT test, like makes sense to an extent. But like uh, special forces, your capability is so ridiculous. What's demanded of you, like anaerobically, aerobically. Mm -hmm. So like, OK, like how do I train for that? Like, it, well, it's not some like basic little progression. Like, no, I need to stretch the mass events of my capability it's not even the capability physically it's like also like the violence and peace spectrum of capability like how violent can i be then how quickly can i recover from that mm. like how do i down regulate and like that kind of thing and those skills aren't like taught they were they not used to be taught but they're i think the curiosity of like high performance shows up in special forces now where like you know there's more out there you know there's there's people pumping all the science on brain health and recovery and then now like i like i'm in the breathwork world like in the sauna and ice world those are just modalities to control your state or to recover faster and like that is like the paradox of high performance you got to be capable of both like really incredible violence and then this really ability to like find peace down regulate be parasympathetic and recover and sleep and i just don't think people uh understand that spectrum at times because like like it's uh and 
to my detriment as a football player, like I always wanted to be the workhorse, but like my sport demanded me to be a racehorse. And I think military is in that realm because like you guys are like, obviously you have longer missions and those kind of things, but the op itself is you like, this is a, a massive assumption, but like, it's pretty quick. Yeah. Oh I, yeah. I, Relatively I, speaking. Yeah. yeah. Fast, so yeah. like, and, and that, and that realm, like, like, okay, like, do what's why am I working out for three hours? Why am I pushing myself to breaking points? Why am I fighting through this knee pain X, Y, and Z? Like that's not smart. Like I'm training for a five minute op. Like I don't need to train for five hours to prep for that. Like how do I maximize that that five minutes? And like that's like the, just the tactics and the programming just need to follow suit and support that level of performance. So you're a racehorse. Like mm. that, like you so I'm gonna train like a racehorse because the workhorse like limits potentially my uh anaerobic output like my my quickness reaction things like that and then like the aerobic nature like i think everybody needs a foundation of aerobic nature but at the end of the day like you don't need it for like a specific burst so Mm. just like it's it's a weird paradox of performance but like i think a lot of people like especially like the the try hard work blue collar like which is obviously shows up a lot in military and shows up a lot in football and those kind of things i think there's some some similarities there is good to a point, but like you have to be tactical and smart. Yeah. You, where does this journey start for you? Talk to me about the football journey and kind of how you got into this whole field, you know, transitioning from football. Like, where did it start for you? Did you grow up in playing, you know, uh, Pop Warner and, and doing the whole football path and that's what you knew you wanted to do? No, nah, like my whole football career was pretty organic. Like, I didn't even start playing football till seventh grade and wasn't any good till I got to high school. And then, um, I, I was around some really good mentors and coaches young, and they taught me how to play the game right. Um, one, very smart, but two, very physical, and like embrace the physical nature and have fun doing that. So that would end up being like a separator for me. But they taught me to love the game. Like they didn't like they didn't demand I was football year round. They said go play other sports. Like, and I think that's kind of lost in today's age a little bit. But um, but then that bled into a couple scholarship offers. Um, chose the one that made the most logical sense, Northwestern with education and football in the big 10 um again thought i was okay at football then eventually gained like the the capability and the confidence to excel there um was like all big 10 and a captain there thought i had a chance to get drafted didn't get drafted didn't get a call on draft day and that led into like the journey of like high performance now like one i got stuck in a system at northwestern strength training that wasn't perfect for me and like i i it was a cookie cutter program not like to knock on them but like it was a system that wasn't built to optimize myself. Like, and I later learned that on how I should train my legs, time under tension, what level of like how many sprints volume I should do. And so I went on this journey through arena football league, the United football league that doesn't even exist anymore, two and a half years up in Canada and the Canadian football league, and then earned the opportunity to come back to um, the Minnesota Vikings and play in the NFL. Uh, and then spent four years with the Houston Texans as well. But like all that time, like, I got cut from the UFL. I got cut from Canada and was on practice squad. I was in practice squad and NFL, like a bunch of adversity in that world. But all those chances for adversity, like I just used, like I found another list and like in my head, I called it chasing edges. Like how can I get another edge to add more value to make me keepable or like, uh, again, more of an asset to the team. And so whether that was like training my mindset, training my actual football, football IQ, becoming a better athlete like in this process i also changed positions from safety to linebacker so i added 15 pounds and i got bigger faster stronger like every single time short distance 40 yard dash um time went down so like like i learned what worked for me 
I, I guinea pigged myself uh, through a bunch of protocols and diets and supplements and uh, eventually found like I have a really great doctor in Ohio, Eric Serrano, who dialed in my blood work. I understood like my testosterone levels, like vitamins that were uh, holding my recovery back, all that thing, all those things. And it just led into my variant variant of optimal performance, which kept me in the NFL for a little bit. But like it was always just like curiosity and competitiveness. I think like the highest performers in the world, like the best um, players I ever played with in the NFL, one, they're hyper competitive. And then two, they were curious. They were always looking for an edge or they're a way to like elaborate and become a better mental player and those kind of things. So I think competitiveness and curiosity go hand in hand in high performance. Yeah. As when you're in that football uh, career, were you committed to like, this is going to be my life for an extended period of time? How did you transition from playing football and then realizing hey, it's time to move on to something else. Yeah, well, I, I, they kind of kicked me off the bus. I uh, I ended on an injury and didn't really get back into the NFL. But um, as far as, like, uh, like, I, like, I didn't have a dream of being a football player as a kid. Uh, I wasn't even a big football fan until I started playing in high school. Um, that was all organic. Initially, I was, like, a good baseball player, so that's what I wanted to do. Um, but then, like, organically, like, I fell in love with the game. And mm. honestly, like, I love training as much as I love football. And, um, like, that just fueled the lifestyle I wanted to live. Like, like I, I like the approach to life where, like, find what you love and then figure out how to make money there. Yeah. And football worked like that for a while. And then, like, my transition from football, like, wasn't the easiest transition. Like, obviously, like, like you think this identity actually meant something. And, like, you think, like, I, I, what is my value if I don't have football or this title or this platform? Um, so, like, sorting through that and then, like, applying, like, all the knowledge I had picked up, like, this performance consultant, uh, like optimal performance trainer, whatever. Like I, I just tell people I optimize myself and others, like that's my job. And so now like that's all I try and do is learn and grab and um, I'd pivot and adapt off my clients. Like what do they need? I go, I go and do research if I can't answer the question there. But like eventually I found out that like that transition, like I'm not a football player, like I'm not like confined to that identity i'm actually my capability and my capability was this curious competitive human that like will do the work like mentally and physically to answer and solve problems mm. so like eventually like my capability was like all the great things that football and high performance give you fast-paced decision making uh the ability to com communicate under pressure or eventually like recover how to train properly diet supplements tactics people can take on sleep and then I found uh, breath work in like 2015, 2016 when I was playing, and that was a massive advantage. And I like the more I got into that world, I learned that nobody uses breath work as a, like a competitive advantage, and like let alone human beings to control their state and stress, or like in their just gen pop normal life. Like how how are you breathing? Like and like how is it affecting my psychology? All those things. So that ended up becoming the big separator, and like my coaching, um, and then my buddy, uh, one of my business partners, Harvey Martin, at the time in Minneapolis, found breathwork and cold and that kind of thing for um, like anxiety and depression. And so we kind of merged it. I had it for performance, he had it for anxiety and depression, and then we started like playing off each other and training athletes and training uh, business folks, and eventually just bled into this optimal performance coaching. But um, that was, the transition was a little rocky, but. Like eventually, like if you, if you stay curious and you stay like learning and growing, like life eventually like kind of sort out, I think hopefully in your favor. Yeah. I, I heard that. I hear that a lot from pro players that, that that's in our friend network, that transitioning from the NFL or any pro sport is similar to the transition 
I would say for a high level military person, like especially in the special operations community, who spends like kind of like a lifetime living a persona and a lifestyle that's conducive to success in that genre. And then when you come out and transition to civilian life, you realize it's a completely different world. Nobody cares if you're an operator. Nobody cares that you're in the NFL. You have to redefine yourself and come up with business tactics and a, a new way of life, a new persona, essentially redefining yourself and creating this. Did you did you go through bouts of depression and and did some of that, some of those tactics that you learned even in breath work help you kind of sort this solution? Because like even in my own transition, there's a defined moment where I was depressed. I was like living on an air mattress in an apartment complex after the military. I'm like, what am I doing? No, I actually lived in a tent inside of a bedroom <laughs> with no furniture. I love it. In which is so bizarre to think about it now because I'm like, I would never do that now. But I did it back then. And I thought it was normal. Set up a tent, went in the tent, and that was like my setup inside my apartment. And uh, good luck dating anybody with like, yeah. hey, you want to go inside my tent? Um, and then went to hot yoga, a 90-minute hot yoga session with a whole bunch of attractive women, allowed me to socialize and network, allow me to get outside of my head, allow me to kind of navigate my breath kind of compose myself and then uh, it put me through a torturous session where I'm looking at a hundred pound women not sweating at all and I have to go through a gallon of water yeah. to get through it and then came away from that and went oh this is something something's going on here and then I went to it again and again and I went hot yoga saved my life if it mm -hmm. wasn't for that helping me in the transition was there something defining like that that assisted you in kind of this path for yourself um, I got some, I got some good advice, uh, early on, but no, like, yeah, I went through bouts of depression, um, a lot of stagnation, mm -hmm. a lot of like sitting and feeling sorry for myself, the negative, like the negativity bias, just spinning circles in my brain and that kind of thing. And, but, uh, this Olympian Caroline Burkle, like told me, I was like, it was after my last season, I was still trying to play. So I didn't have the advice like at the right time, but mm -hmm. eventually it returned to me that like, when you transition from these high performance states, so she was an Olympian, like they obviously have that a massive four year drop off and those kind of things. But like you need to be an infant again because all the d dynamics of your life change. Mm. So like without football, like you need to learn how to be a son again because like your parents only know the football player. Like that's how they got together for family function. Same with how to be a brother, how to be a friend. Your friends aren't calling you for fantasy football advice and things like that. Um, you need then obviously you've lost your structure, you lost your camaraderie, you lost your tribe. Um, so you need to rebuild that back and you need to be like again courageous and curious to go out and try new things and fail and find something that again intuitively feels great you know something good's happening whether it's like with your breath or and moving your body all those things like end up showing up so like that curiosity i think um or like that push to like okay it's okay to like go from this top of the mountain to the valley again and start over like that's a superpower in like the business world as a superpower in life where people can learn and drop and pick up new skills and obviously that massive identity shift i think going to find a structure so like structuring your workout structuring your diet like all those things show up and as beneficial because usually the military told you when to wake up when to go on this op you're on call same same with football 6 a.m wake up 7 a.m workout meetings for three hours practice like like all that then you have you no, no matter what city you get pulled to for your profession like you already have 53 friends or like 53 people you're interacting with like you go you go home by yourself it gets lonely pretty fucking quick so okay like i had to go 
I tried rock climbing. I love jujitsu, like the community there of like learning and mm. pushing yourself and like getting choked out, learning why and trying again and accepting failure and growing. Incredible rock climbing the same same way. Like you fail a bunch, like some people that are climbing will help you. You'll watch and be observed. You get curious, just moving and problem solving with your body solved a lot of my problems. Like like I, like that was a flow state and peaceful for me. And then you're breathing. Um, and then eventually I found a powerlifting group that had like a really extreme structure, but like that was medicine for me mm. because like, like me, like I, like, so they trained at four in the morning, um, uh, of this 4am crew out in Pataskalo, Ohio. Um, and I used to get, uh, basically what I would get done after that lift before 9am, I wouldn't get done in a day, like in that negativity and that depression. So it's like, okay, there's something here. So that gave me my time back. So now I got really productive before 9 10 a.m and then the rest of my time i spent recovering and learning same as i did when i was playing like i'd like i'd train my face off like whether it's like maintenance or training for three hours then i'd go home and do everything massively for recovery i'd maximize and prioritize my sleep hydration all these things that i knew helped my performance but it also like in like regular life like like there's no difference. Like I still want like the same as I wanted the most out of my body in football. I want the most out of my body in my life. So I'm going to wake up and be intentional with all that. It mm -hmm. only makes sense. Like I'm not going to wake up, hit snooze three times, um, chug a bunch of caffeine and go. And then like, hopefully I'll get the most of my day. Then by the time I get home for five, I'll watch three shows, drink three beers and go to sleep. Like that's not the life I want to live. I yeah. want the most. And like, I get fulfilled from helping people. So like my job helps me do that. And I created a structure that, supported and made me feel good and so like some of that's like the sauna ice the exposure but like kind of what, what you're saying is I, I think a lot of people um don't understand the relationship we had with stress and high performance like like that's dopamine and adrenaline all these things like you can still get access to that through hard workouts sauna ice all those things and I, I I have all these other theories on um, like nature and then like stress and dopamine and like pain, like why we like a lot of people are weaker these days because we're so pleasure dominant that like we our pain tolerance becomes really small. Yeah. And so like that like we're very that, fragile. Yeah, now. super yeah. fragile. And like and it makes sense. Like if, if you're a weaker human and like you're a smaller human, there's less to hurt. Like, like, so like, but like, I'm an advocate of strength and capability and like, I want this massive capability. Like I, I, I use violence and peace in my same realm where it's like boxing and jujitsu and then like meditation, breathing, like that's my spectrum. And then I want to master all this spectrum in between because like, who knows what life throws at me. And I want to be like, that's where my confidence comes from. I know I have this massive spectrum of capability. And so like, if I'm really like tight in my capability, if I'm not capable of violence, if I don't know how to control myself in peace, like that's a problem. I'm going to be really fucking reactive. Mm. Like really small things are going to bother me. Like the weather is going to bother me. Like somebody saying like my political like, like uh, affiliations aren't right is going to bother me. But if I'm confident and I'm well researched, like all these things fall on the spectrum. So like, I just think it's, it's logical to pursue stress and pursue your capability. I love that. Like it, there is fragility in our society based on the, the absence of stress, the absence of exposure. And you're right. Like anything because we run charged now activates that charge because we're just so sensitive now to, because uh, we're not sensitized, we're, we're not exposed, we're not conditioned, and and you see people insulating, getting the chemistry, but they're not actually getting the exposure. They're not going outside and having the hard times. They're not going through challenges and adversity. They are literally placating 
and it's like a they're they're you know from their optic nerve into their cell phone right it's this yeah. virtual attachment and i love that talk to me about this concept of violence and peace and the relationship of resilience like how do you how would you define resilience and does understanding the spectrum make you more resilient yeah definitely i mean the i mean i think resilience is like it's mildly stress and pain tolerance um in my world it's co2 tolerance um a lot of people don't understand that like where like basically like if you have very small because you need co2 in order for oxygen to actually be released from the red blood cell be oxygenated like be like even prefrontal cortex oxygenated so that you're high energy you're a clear thinker you're a problem solver and that kind of thing but like a lot of people are mouth breathers and over breathers and all these things and like that's the first line of resiliency like everybody breathes nobody knows how to breathe mm. and then so basically if you can solve that problem like that's the f like literally just like the knock on the door of your optimization so is that off gassing co2 is the benefit right not necessarily intaking oxygen no so like uh so like dump like obviously inhale oxygen exhale co2 like exhaling co2 is more important um yeah. for down regulating and then like optimal performance i want to get co2 out of the way because but like co2 is kind of like this bell curve so basically like sitting here if i'm like mouth breathing and over breathing like there's too much like the only benefit to the mouth is oxygen and co2 in and out faster like really like if you take anything away from the breathing, like breathe through your nose all day, most of performance. But then when you're like fighting, fighting, I don't care how you breathe. I don't want you to be stressed out by your breathing. Um, but like that'll solve a lot of your problems because like basically like like if like, I put an oximeter on my finger, an easy example, uh, I can put it on somebody that's 400 pounds or 100 pounds. It's still going to read 98, 99 percent oxygen. Oxygen's not the fucking problem. CO2 and our relationship with CO2 is the problem. Mm, so and like so like the Bohr effect, like this uh, basically the exchange of oxygen and CO2, um, your red blood cells, your hemoglobin carries red, like your red blood cells and 98.5 percent of your oxygen. In order for the oxygen to get off the red blood cell, the hemoglobin, CO2, like the CO2 has to go up, the pH in the blood goes down, and then oxygen loses its affinity for the, the hemoglobin, and it mm -hmm. comes off and oxygenates the cell. If we're taking in too much oxygen, like basically it's your oxygen is going to stay very high and the co2 is not going to leave you don't get oxygenated mm. so on this bell curve of performance like you need air hunger you need carbon dioxide to basically scare the oxygen off until you get to like this aerobically maximal state but like in normal life if you're over breathing and there's too much oxygen available your veins and arteries will constrict and mm. so you actually shortcut your aerobic nature, your VO2 max, those kind of things. The nose solves the majority of those problems. Mm. So shut, shut your mouth. Mm. And so basically, like, it's two smaller holes. Um, nose cleans, humidifies, triggers nitric oxide, which is a vasodilator, triggers a lower breath where, like, you have more surface area, like the bigger part of your lungs on the bottom. So lower breath is uh, better oxygenation, gravity put, um, better uh, alveoli and oxygen saturation down at the bottom of the lung. Like every breath helps or hurts you. And mm. so during the day, I should breathe through my nose. It solves a lot of my problems. It takes longer. It's a slower breath in through the nose. Like a slower breath means more time, means the metabolism and the, and the cells are working, creating more carbon dioxide and that perfect little balance, you become this optimal human. But mouth breathing and like it, it, it can be traced back to a lot of things like formula, like, like our body uses oxygen as an antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory. You put shit in your stomach, adults or infants alike, you're going to default to mouth breathing sometimes mm -hmm. to like solve the problem. And then we get stuck in those states. And then we have soft food diets for children. So like your jaws don't develop from, for chewing. So you have a smaller nasal cavity and things like that, protruded face and jaw, like all these things compound. 
but like moral of the story is if like you breathe through your nose, like a lot of your problems go away because a little more carbon dioxide is available to get oxygen off the cell. And so that's going to help improve resilience because that's optimizing from the onset, like the foundation, which yeah. is breathing. Of, yeah. Of, of, yeah. Like, like everybody wants to be resilient and exercise in the hard times and that yeah. kind of thing. But if you have no foundation, like yeah. you have no chance. So like when, like when I'm trying to solve somebody's problems, like, like from a breathing standpoint in performance, like let's solve something easy first. Let's solve, let's make the unconscious conscious. Let's solve your sleep because you're not worried. Like you're not worried about your breathing when you sleep. You can't, you're asleep. So, okay. Like, like I want to breathe. Nose is parasympathetic. Mouth is sympathetic. So rest and digest fight and flight. What should I breathe while I'm sleeping? I should breathe through my nose. So like I can, like you can film yourself. You can have your significant other tell you if you're mouth breathing or if you wake up with a dry mouth or if you wake up to piss a lot, probably indicative that you're mouth breathing. If you're snoring um, or have sleep apnea, probably mouth breathing. All these things show up. Okay, how do I solve that? Like I take my mouth when I sleep keeps me locked in I really wanna, yeah yeah like I've just been, put a piece of tape over your mouth yeah like it's funny you uh google or amazon mouth tape for sleep you'll find 20 different products it's in, it's like it's just a simple I feel little like i freak out like i'd be like yeah. oh god yeah like you, and you don't want to add you wake yeah. up and think you're in like a like my kid would hit me with a flashlight and i think i'm getting interrogated because my mouth is covered yeah but i i have sleep apnea so i know that life i've been tested did yeah. the sleep study and i I default to my mouth at night. So then they give you the the thing that goes up your nose, right? Yeah, the right? separators, yeah. And I can't wear that. Oh, no, no. They give me the sleep pap machine. Oh, yeah. See, I'm not. And I can't I'm, breathe because it short strokes my breath. Yeah, well, it, like, uh, again, like, I'm not incredibly well-researched on the CPAP stuff, so and I'm not a doctor, so um, follow your heart on this advice. But, like, the CPAP is, like, forcing air in. So your diaphragm's not doing its job and working. And so another massive benefit to the nasal breathing is like a little more diaphragmatic trigger, but like that, um, the strengthening of the diaphragm adds up over time. The diaphragm's mechanical job is to align and stabilize the spine. Like, so now you get start talking about a lower horizontal breath, lower center of gravity, more stability when you brace, all those things show up too. But back to the, like the, the breathing when you sleep, um, the CPAP doesn't logically make sense to me, yeah. but, um, besides that point that like, there's other ways, like, I don't want to add stress with the mouth tape. So like tape your mouth like an hour before bed and, and adapt. Like you might be worried that your nose is stuffed beforehand. Like some people don't know that like the nose, the nostrils like alternate throughout the day, constricting and dilating to like basically let the membrane on the inside of the nose, uh, regenerate and get moisture again. So like, like if you're locked in one nostril, that's fine. That's normal. You don't have to like be completely open and those kind of things. But like in essence, like locking into that state one with your mouth being closed gives your uh, tongue a better chance of being the top roof of your mouth because that's a problem you you like you try and snore with your mouth open or try and snore with your mouth closed like it's very different sounds like it's very different like anatomically it's different like mm. same as like nose is respiratory mouth is digestive that's why we should breathe through our nose all fucking day yeah but like at night like that's parasympathetic rest and digest tone keeps the tongue in a better position, keeps the throat more open. Like all these things lead to like, again, better sleep performance. And, and this like, is building your resilience building overall. Your, building yeah. your resilience, like building great breathing mechanics. And like, mm. so we solve your sleep first. One, like, like I've, I've had so many people tape their mouth now and they, I, I dream better. I wake up with more energy. It's endless. So like, that's like the easiest hack. Like, and so like, and it, it, it took me a couple like, so like I found this out when I was playing in the NFL, they put all these wearables on us, whoops and the pop Lars and that kind of thing. And my recovery was trash. Like, and like, I was, I was really in tune with my sleep. I had learned from Nick Littlehale's book sleep at the time. 
and I was sleeping seven and a half or nine hours, like, cause I was sleeping in REM cycles. I wanted 35 REM cycles of sleep uh, or a week and that kind of thing. And, but like that problem wasn't going to get solved like proper sleep until I solved my breathing first. Um, cause like my recovery scores were like 60 to 70 and I was sleeping for nine hours, but I, it said I get like five and a half hours of sleep. Like that's a problem. Yeah. So like he talked about the mouth tape in there. I read oxygen advantage by Patrick McCown and I started taping my mouth recovery jumped right back up into the nineties. All right. Really? Okay. Problem solved. And then now I don't have to keep the stress of the wearable when I sleep because I solved that problem already. And I know how I feel and I'm in tune and I feel it. Um, and you can actually feel that you felt oh, yeah. and like, more and, alert. Yeah. So like, even so last night got in late to the, the hotel and like, I, I fell asleep without my mouth tape on and like, I wake up and I feel groggy, but like behind my eyes, like it's night and day how I feel whether wow. like with the mouth tape. Okay. I'm getting that. I'm yeah, it, well, you guys have yeah. that mouth tape on your site or something? Or oh, is no, it no, we just, just Amazon. Yeah. So like the easiest ones are probably like the czar. They're like little X's cause it's just like just a gentle pit pinch. And then there's, uh, auction advantage has like squares that go around the mouth that pinch like, um, I, I just use 3M mouth tape now because it's, it's cheap. You can buy 20 rolls and then like you can make your own X's or I just go straight across my lips. You can like curl them in just like as like a, a wisdom point where you don't want to tape on the actual lip. You can uh, tape over like the outside of the lip. But besides the point, um, yeah, like it's just that's an easy thing to start correcting your breathing. Hmm. And then like now you're going to correct your energy. And so like that's a great sleep. St- like that's why I, I, I think like the simplest recipe to like optimal health and performance is like sun sleep and no stress. Mm. So how can I generate that? And so in essence, like if I can one get sun that like, that's pretty easy. No stress is harder in this day and age, but like the sleep is manageable, but like people don't take sleep hygiene seriously. Like obviously you hear blue light blocking, you hear like all this stuff, but like you should have a pre-sleep routine and a post-sleep routine because like your sleep, like hygiene starts in the morning. Like how is my body waking up? How much adenosine is still in my brain? Like all those kind of things that affect my wakefulness. Can I actually get sunlight on my eyes in the morning? Like not through the glass, not just two in like two seconds walking to the car. Can I get five, 10, 20 minutes of sunlight in the morning to set my circadian rhythm, start my need and my want for sleep? Because like, it's an exposure of sunlight through the eyes yeah. that wake and get your system up, but also adjust your car, yeah. your rhythm, your daily yeah, yeah, rhythm. Yeah, it's just like, and like the, and there's a bunch of like psychology research on having a anchor wake up time. And then now you can get into like sunrise and sunset. It's just like, we're supposed to live on light and dark cycles. Like humans are super ignorant. We think we can have daylight, like we can have eternal daylight with electricity and all those things. Like there's a bunch of missteps and evolution like shoes of elevated heels and then chairs and then now like yeah. electricity like all these things are not built for optimal human performance or health mm. um so like if you like your relationship with light and dark should be a massive priority but like sunlight outside like the blue light uh passes through the eye the easiest but like that's what sets your circadian rhythm mm. have an anchor wake up time give your body consistency give your physiology consistency so that because like around 2 a.m like your body reaches its like coldest temperature but then it starts to heat up like part of that temperature wakes you up it's cortisol but like that sunlight and that circadian rhythm that now you're talking serotonin dopamine like all your levels your physiological levels need to have like consistency and, and a triggering start through light because like if you just run to the car and then go to work and then you get outside a little bit for lunch and then come home like your circadian rhythm started when you got like fully locked like once you got outside for a little bit and some people like michael easter has a really cool book comfort crisis where like and then there's research on it that like 93% of Americans spend their day inside or 93% of the Americans' days is spent inside. That's a problem. Ugh. It's disgusting. 
and it's like and i ha like i have all these like perspectives and theories but like that's why the sauna and ice is cool and it because it shows people how weak they are really quick and that how protected they are like okay i'll go from 70 degrees from my house to my car to work to my car and back home and like back in the day like back like the two biggest stressors were like food scarcity and environmental stress we don't have any of those problems anymore mm. like we have uber eats we have grocery stores and then we have ac and heat like we don't have to see any stress like that's another entry-level stressor like that is necessary like our systems have like energy systems built to combat uh cold and heat and we don't use them mm. so where does that energy go like some people hypothesize that that's like auto immune diseases and things like that but like that's your resiliency like that's your, your immune system like stress is important and for those reasons mm. and so like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna stretch my tolerance my capability again isn't just violence and peace it isn't just strength and weakness it's literally like hot and cold like what how how comfortable can i be in this spectrum mm. and like like so and it's just tolerance it's exposure same as it's like holding your breath is exposure to co2 or working out really hard is exposure to co2 like cold tub exposure to cold temperature how hot's the sauna 180 to 220 like those kind of things and it just like i think that's where like people can start stealing some of their like natural strength and optimal performance back is these very natural ways of breathing and oxygenating themselves and then the environmental stress and like people fast all the time now the food scarcity thing is starting to make sense again like the farther you get away from meal the more focused and dialed you get okay that's how life's supposed to be lived like it's just Feast like, and famine yeah, yeah. Or, or like or learn how to hunt like add to your violence scale like that kind of thing it's just like like that capability um i just think breeds so much like confidence and peace because like i'm capable okay I, like i'm not going to be perturbed by going outside when it's 40 degrees or 20 degrees or anything like that because i know like, oh that's easy like i like i've been in a like a, a cut out hole in a lake in on minnetonka in minnesota and then stood outside after doing three minutes in the ice stood outside and moved around for an hour and i was completely fine I actually felt better mm. and so like things like that like you have to change people's framework or just remind them that they're a human and need to be exposed to these things where like like people have a weird relationship with the cold water up to their neck and the ice tubs okay why well oh, my entire life my mom said if i don't go outside if i without a hat and a glove a set of gloves like i'm gonna get sick and die okay that's gonna trigger some fear some people are scared of water in general mm -hmm. like all those things show up and then so now like let's get you in there let's see where your tolerance is at and then we'll teach you how to control your state with the breath mm -hmm. and like that's where like like in the relationship with like uh basically like pain and pleasure or like uh stress and peace again like breath is just like that's your remote control like mm -hmm. that's your remote control to your state like and like like people say oh you can't control your heart rate blah, 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 like that kind of thing um yes you can like you have literally like again you have a natural system built into it. it's called respiratory sinus arrhythmia like you can feel your carotid on a big inhale heart rate increases diaphragm flattens pulls the heart and the lungs open okay on an exhale if i can control my exhale it slows the heart rate mm. that's a remote control right there just play with that ratio mm. how long are my exhales like again like it, it depends on whether you're at rest or like in high performance but like you have the ability to upregulate and downregulate at will it's just a tool you need to learn the tool you need to learn how to be human again you need to expose yourself to the natural stressors of life heat and cold um again same as like violence and rest that kind of violence and peace like sleep is part of the peace and the rest and that kind of thing because I, I think people sleep on sleep in essence, like where it's just like a, an easy analogy. Like if I, if I plug my phone in at night and I, I wake up and it's at 60% battery, 
I'm going to get a new charger. I'm going to get a new phone because that's a problem. But we do that day in and day out with ourselves. Mm. Like, so like, and, I, and I've been in that, like that negative feedback loop of like waking up like shit and then like reaching for things to get me going and then keep me going and then wind me down and like those kind of things. But like, that's like the root of addiction. Like, but like, that's not what I want. Like we have all this natural energy. If we take care of our sleep, if we take care of our diet, if we get exposed to stress and stay adapting and curious, I think life gets pretty fun. Yeah. It's, it's rad. All the things that you say are just like paying attention to our systems, our brain, our bodies, which is so bizarre to me that we focus external where we focus on everything but ourselves, right? We, we like, I'm on this kick now talking about like how people are so concerned with other people. Like I have all these people talking about me and I'm like, why are you talking about me? Like focus on you. Like I can't imagine living in a world where I wake up focused on other people because I get nothing accomplished. I can't progress or evolve as a human being if I'm always concerned about other people. My competition, what this guy said, who's this dude? Like I'm focused on me. And it seems like the more attention you pay to your sleep, your how your body feels, these things that are like real visceral in your experience, it's like the better off you'll be. But we don't understand these tactics. And it's just, it's bizarre to me that the world and and society has shifted in this way yeah i mean if, if you can't lead yourself how are you going to lead others like that like that's my first problem that of people that throw rocks and like try and break other people down like like look in the mirror first before you do 100%, that like yeah look at your energy levels like look like again like eat like even the courage to put your opinions out there uh like on purpose and with intention to like get uh, like uh, uh available for scrutiny and that kind of thing like that like that's so impressive to me like mm. I, that's why i love the creators of the world because at least they're doing something they're not yeah. and like like the analogy like you like you're either there's two ways to have the tallest building in town you build your building up or you tear everybody else down there's too many people breaking other fucking people down yeah and it shows and it just it just frustrates me more than anything um but like i think personal leadership is where everybody should start and like and like if like your ducks aren't in a row don't care about other people's ducks and then like even if like like, like I'll deal with a lot of people that have like performance anxieties and like that kind of thing where like they worry really bad, like about a bad performance or about something they said earlier that day. Like one of my favorite bits is like nobody goes to bed thinking about you. Like get over yourself. Exactly. Like, yeah. Like, like nobody's going to bed thinking about that pimple on your cheek. Like they're worrying about their own pimples and their own people and their own problems. Yeah. So like get over yourself and like get yourself right. Because like, again, like life's a single player game. Like, like you interact with a bunch of people, but like, they're not going to, they're never going to have your perspective. Like we're never going to talk about the same thing on the same scale. And if like you demystify communication really quickly, like, okay, I can take care of myself. I need to solve my past, like take care of my future and like live and be as like intentional and meaningful in the present with my, myself and my immediate circle. Like that's what life's supposed to be about. It's not, we're not, we're not as humans, we're not even supposed to be like available for global politics and everything. I think it's awesome because it's a platform and that kind of thing, but like we're supposed to be in small tribes, being intentional with our relationships, intentional with ourselves in our environment, like actually in the environment. And like, that's where something that like, uh, my girlfriend, Laura Zares taught me like, cause I didn't spend a lot of time outside. Like I was always training or doing football shit and that kind of thing. But like you get outside and you spend 24 hours or a week outside, like you're in the environment, the, the temperature fluctuates, you got to be there. Like the, the terrain changes, you got to be there. Like we're just so, we're looking at this country, these politics, 
like what what's happening with our friends like not necessary like that's nowhere near i'm so much more peaceful out in nature than i am in the matrix so it's just like <laughs> like uh, okay like intuitively how do i feel like how do i get some of that into my life because like i can't live life like not in the matrix right now so it's like okay like how do i maximize that how how do i steal from that and so like that's kind of how i end up like gearing towards the mental skill of like personal development like okay like take care of yourself first mm. you can't pour from an empty cup like all these stacked on old terminologies but i think like old pro like old problems have old solutions like that's an old problem is dealing with like people that like criticize constantly like okay like like if i'm really truly creating art and creating and trying to change people and influence and then what i think is honest and authentic and right okay like i'm gonna put it out there and it's gonna get torn down mm. by like but if it's right like i'm gonna keep pumping it yeah but like i just i don't like the because like that come becomes an identity too i don't want to spin off into too many rabbit holes but like like even like the the politic thing bothers me like like the religious conflict bothers me and all those kind of things it's just because everybody's so ingrained in their identity and certain and that and like all it becomes it just like it frustrates me that nobody's open-minded or can come to like the table anymore and talk and like and it like i like i struggle to talk with some of my family members about politics and like that 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 bothers me because like i'm trying to be open-minded or send research or whatever it ends up being but like it's like the like depend whoever you believe in religiously like like i like i believe in god like you believe in allah whatever like that certainty and and that faith creates conflict on the ground. So it's just like, okay, why? And like, but everybody has their perspective, how they've been brought up. Everybody's a product of their environment, but like nobody has any grace in that world now. Yeah. And so just, it, it just all that stuff intrigues me not to go down that rabbit hole, but no, I, I it, what you're saying is, is all factual. Cause it's, we need more grace. We need more conversations. And, and you're right. Like I hate people who take on a persona of victimhood or, or, or mm -hmm. uh, their ideology and, or conflict. People have now accounts and personas that are just based on conflict. It's like, that's a bad, that's a road to disaster. You are setting yourself up for failure. And I, I think about a lot of these people in their own personal health and, and uh, especially the people that I used to know and how they go out and they, they're toxic in the world. And I, I, it really disturbs me for them. Like I, I, get, I actually lose sleep going, Man, I used to know that guy, and he's out there in the world being toxic, saying all these negative things. And it's like, how does that feel to go to bed at night knowing that the people you're talking about, including me, are are thinking about you in a positive way, going, man, like, are you okay? Do you need a hug? Like, and I don't mean like joking, like maybe like you literally need love in your life. Because that absence of that is why a lot of these guys, especially guys that, you know, whether it's the lack of testosterone or the lack of purpose, which it's probably a, a, a lot of both, um, don't have the tribe, don't have the love that they need in order to be positive out in the world. Because they're, like you said, the, they're worried about burning everybody else's buildings to the ground instead of building their own. You know, and, and that's I think that's the detriment of a lot of things that we're seeing in our soci society. On when it comes to the concept of resilience. Um, one of the things that have bothered me is the absence of tactics, the absence of tangible, literal behaviors and routines that you can implement in your life, which is one of the reasons we started this resilience rendezvous concept. I mean, we've run special operations prep courses, prepping men and women for military careers and all this stuff. And in my own experiences, I've learned these little things in selections or in, in schools like ranger school, where you learn 
a lot about yourself in the absence of comfort, right? And in in the lack of sleep and the lack of food, when you're broken down, when you're exposed to your vulnerabilities, you start to learn a lot about yourself, which I love. And we brought you on board for the Resilience Rendezvous to talk about building resilience, but also giving some specific tactics. Can you talk, I, I don't I, I don't care about giving away what we're doing yeah. specifically, but can you talk about some of the tactics that you think will be beneficial to the audience that we might implement in the training session at Resilience Rendezvous that is going to give you like immediate, like, okay, this is going to benefit my life? Yeah, no doubt. And it's, uh, I mean, it's, there's foundational views on it. Like obviously like solving your sleep, but like solving your mechanics, like those kind of things. If you have a better foundation, you're more like you're more prepared for resilience or you're more prepared for stress. Um, and like oversimplification of it, it will teach you how to breathe less. Mm. And so like the ice tubs and a, a great example of that, like you throw somebody up to their neck, <laughs> like mm. they're breathing very fast. And like at that point, they're full of oxygen, like oxygen is not the problem. We'll teach you how to see like CO2 dump in those scenarios and extend and like trigger parasympathetic languages in the body. Cause like we have all these languages and we just don't know, we just don't know the language and like our, like our physiology leads to better psychology. Mm. A slower breath tells your brain you're safe. Okay. How do I breathe slower? Like every breath throughout the day or particularly when I'm triggered and stressed or if I'm going into a public speaking event or if I'm going into performance, like there's different variants of uh, the breath work that you'll learn. Um, at, like in uh, my bit and my coaching where like, we'll actually manipulate your blood to improve performance. We'll get the spleen to squeeze. We'll trigger hypoxia. We'll get more red blood cells available. We'll get you active. Like, so people like, again, you like you stretch and do dynamic warmups and turn on your glutes before you work out. You need to do, do the same thing with your respiratory muscles. Mm. You need to get this 360 breath so that you can have the ability to brace and throw like throw a proper punch. Or like, again, like just protect your back and your spine so that you can train how you want to train, like all these things. Then if you breathe less, you can last longer. You see it in fighting. Like the guy that's like burned out first, <sighs> he's probably going to lose. So I'm going to like, I'm going to teach you how to breathe less and then breathe less in stress. And then you'll, you'll, that shows up really fast in the cold tub. Cause like people just like breathe, they, like they, the body's going to naturally regulate, but we'll teach you how we'll teach you the gear shift system. Like what happens when I am mouth breathing in performance or in stress? Like how do I downregulate? I extend exhales, bam. So I'm mouth, mouth, I downregulate in nose, get all the benefits of the nose, clean, humidify, lower breath, better oxygen, more oxygenation, those kind of things in nose out mouth longer exhale down regularly again nose nose slow breath through the nose okay uh, my brain knows i'm safe now and then so now the cold hurts a little less the stress is a little lower and then now you can start to tangibilize it and so now like i think a lot of people don't measure their life enough mm. because like what you like what you measure you can manage most people don't do that even like with the self-awareness of like tearing people down in your tribe people don't journal like, like everybody should journal and record their perspective and their history and solve, like ask their self questions and whys and that kind of thing. But back to the, like the breath work and that kind of stuff, how many breaths did I take in three minutes in the cold tub? Can I improve? Can I build resilience? Mm. And then like the, oh, so it's progressive. It's not oh, just like oh, it's experience. Yeah, no. And like, and you'll, you'll see a difference to like the, the recipe is three touches of the cold, two in the hot. And like, that's what we'll do with the resilience rendezvous. But um, the first time, like, like I'll teach you some skills and like the breath work session, like, and then I'll make, I'll, I'll, I'll teach you how breathing can upregulate you and downregulate you. I'll hand you your remote control back. So next time you're triggered in traffic or wherever you're triggered, like, okay, I can downregulate. 
this is the time like these are these are the protocols okay bam all i'm giving you is tools to like control your state but now like the ice tub is my stadium for athletes because i can't make stress like that anywhere else besides trying to suffocate you which is another part of what we do because like that's a stress tolerance co2 tolerance is a stress tolerance you raise your co2 tolerance your stress tolerance goes up so like i want to be harder to kill i need a higher co2 tolerance mm. like i want to be peaceful and stress i need to learn how to offload co2 and learn the language of my physiology to control my state and that's not just breathing it's wh where am i breathing from okay down regulatory up regulatory okay down regulatory inhales up regulatory exhales down regulatory i'm gonna spend more time in my nose i'm gonna spend more more time on my exhales i'm staring at you or i'm staring at my phone or something and i'm fighting you i'm gonna stare at you so this locked uh focused uh eyesight that's fight and flight that's up regulatory opening your your peripherals parasympathetic okay that's another part of the language so i'm gonna use this language and speak to my brain tell myself i'm safe and then now i'll make the stress worse and worse like i'll get the cold um colder i'll put a little motor or I'll move the ice around so you don't have the thermal layer. So the cold hits harder. I'll turn the sauna up hotter. I'll put steam on it. Like, and I just like build resilience and I track it. And so now like when I go in the cold tub for three minutes, I take eight breaths. Like that's my, that's my metric. And if I can't hit that, like, Ooh. like my eight total breaths, eight total breaths. I just do, I, I build a box. I do box breathing in there. It's a t another tactic. Obviously it's used in military, mm -hmm. um, um, and smaller portions, same as diaphragmatic breathing, but we call it combat breathing Yeah, for, for combat dive stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, and like, but there, there's other tools. There's like, if your heart rate's really high, like there's off, there's ways to like, even like the wind, like people, like a lot of times, like to get into like people's minds as a breathwork coach i got to make you feel something first so you can do the wim hof you can do faster paced breathing to make you change your state and like kind of the the logic behind wim hof stuff is like so you're at homeostasis before we get in the ice i'm gonna like so the faster paced breathing gets some adrenaline going get you up regulated get you above your homeostasis and then we put we add the stress and then you return to homeostasis like that's kind of the logic of getting this sympathetic and all these responses so you get more oxygen and you get a little bit of adrenaline nor norepinephrine and that kind of thing so that you can handle the stress better when it hits mm -hmm. you can do the same thing in different types of performance as well but then like you can prime your blood and like but we'll basically put you in the ice with the tools to handle your state and then I'm not gonna overcoach you. Like I want you to learn how to apply the tools yourself. And the difference between your first and your third set in the ice are night and day. And it's like that fast you can learn the tools to control your state. It's insane. Yeah. Man. And but it sounds like, exciting too, because that like this is something I personally like I, we 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 talked about cold water exposure because I used to do it pre sear school because I knew I was gonna get hit with a garden yeah. hose. So I did the rehearsals running the cold water all over my back as a sixteen year old kid, thinking this is going to happen to me one day. And then when I went to Sears school, I was the guy they tortured with the hose and I'm like, this ain't nothing. And, um, tolerance, but then I didn't understand the, the physiological and uh, psychological benefits of how all this, these systems work, but it sounds so tactful, so, so applicable that you could implement in your life, learning it as yeah, a process. And, and it's fun. Like, again, it's like how much stress, like stress can I put myself in? Can I like, like my sauna goes like 240, 260 if you want it to, like not necessary. Um, you don't need anything above 220, but like like how much stress can I put myself in and how slow can I breathe? That's amazing. Yeah, and like the fun part about it, like we're the only animal on the planet, I think, that can control our breath separate from our heart rate. So like you can get in the sauna and like we'll be in there for 30 minutes sometimes at really hot temperatures, your heart rate's fu fucking pumping and you can still maintain a very controlled cadence breath 
five mm-hmm. in, five out, things like that. And like then, you, but your your psychology follows suit. And some of this like oversimplification of psychology is like like you have your brainstem, your limbic system, prefrontal cortex, like your brainstems, like your lizard brain, like reaction to the environment. Like snakes eat their own because like they don't know any better. Like but then like it's built on evolution where limbic systems like mammalian, um, and so like that's like protecting our young emotions, reactions, that kind of thing. Then you have the human gift, the prefrontal cortex. Like when this wind chime of your lungs and your heart rate get going crazy and like the stresses around you blood flow recedes like you know the drill like it goes through the amygdala and your fear sensor and you become reactive and like we have this uh uh bit in my company where like if you're ever arguing with a significant other and you tell her to calm down it never fucking works she's she's (laughs) calm down i'm calm yeah and it never works but like and the same as like when you're low energy human you're more reactive because like again like the blood flows receding so like with the breath, we want to keep as much space between that point of lost consciousness. Mm. We want to keep you a, a problem solver, a high communicator. Plugged in. Yeah. yeah. And like the, your breath's remote control and you, you can use it. Like we use remote controls for our TV. Why would you not use one for yourself, you know? I love it, man. Yeah. I, I think it's so applicable too in the in the field of preparedness, especially not understanding like my whole thing is we teach technical proficiency at, like in gunfighting, like how you move a gun, how you align a gun on target, how you break shots, uh, some of the things that you have to assess. But everybody in the tactical space forgets this whole thing called stress, like this fight or flight sympathetic response that's going to happen in a flush moment in time. And then we fail to assess those technical proficiencies in that world. And then when it happens for real, we go, whoa, all of the things that I expected me to rise to, I failed to instead. It's like, yeah, that's how this is, this is how this whole thing works. To, to think that you're going to sit in a room and work on, on, work on breath work without a physical or visceral response to the environment, you're only getting half the story. You know, it's crazy. I, I want to, we're about to close this podcast out. I wanted to ask you a couple questions um, to close it out um, that are more personal to you. What, what, what moves you? What gets you out of bed every single day as somebody who now does this? Is there something specific that drives you as a factor? Um, yeah, for sure. I, I, I mean, I kind of have like a couple staples. Like I always like want to optimize myself. I'm kind of like just curious for life's experiences in general. So like I always try and find or talk to somebody new every day and like I, I journal about it and kind of track it. Mm-hmm. So like that's kind of like my own personal curiosity for life because like again like life's not promised to anybody i'm a big like memento mori like you could leave life right now i don't think people think about that enough and like they get lost and like the, like their their bad habits become a lifestyle and like laziness becomes a lifestyle pleasure becomes a lifestyle and like that's not like i know i'm driven towards like curiosity learning and stress like those things have made me who i am so i'm never going to abandon those uh, and then like i truly help i truly like helping humans mm. um and right now it's geared towards like athletes. Like I've gotten more into the military world, just like coaching identity and like the ability to like change masks and like all these mental skills that have helped. And sometimes it's just like talking to people. And then like, obviously like if you can fix their systems, like if you can get their sleep better, if you can get their breathing better and they feel better and they have more energy and like they, they're just become a happier human, like, and like, and they show gratitude like that, just that gets me going. So like that, those are like the two two staples and then um other than that it's just um i just want to try something new as as often as possible obviously it kind of bleeds into the first one um but like that that could be like a a new book or it can be like a new activity so i'm always trying new stuff that's awesome who's your favorite person in the world Ooh, um 
I mean, it's probably my it's probably my doctor back home just because he he has this massive brain and this massive heart kind of combined together. Um, he he does a, a really good job of just like giving back and giving his knowledge selflessly. Um, there, there's a lot of people that fall in that category. We talked about Bert Soren for a while early. He's one of my favorite humans. But like as far as like a rational, logical human, um, one of my favorite people to read and listen to is Naval Ravikant. Mm. Um, he's been on Rogan. He's been on Tim Ferriss a couple of times. He's actually a pretty private human outside of those things. Um, but he's a really well thought out person. Um, he's a high performer in the business world, but he's also a very peaceful person and he speaks on it and he puts his opinions out there. He's really well thought out and simplified. And I'm trying to follow that model with my own mental capacity and my own message and my storytelling and, uh, how meaningful and logical I want to make my words and my actions. Like I've learned a lot from his, his wisdom. So, uh, I know that was three people, but, um, it's all right. But, uh, yeah, like I've seen, I've been around my doctor since I was 16 years old. I've seen him be on call, help people endlessly read thousand page books, constantly learn. Like, I think that's a problem in the medical industry where doctors stop learning and they start plugging pills Mm -hmm. like, and they're doctors of medicine, not optimal health. And like, they don't, continue to learn and grow and push that message because I think that's one of the detriments of our society and our country is that those habits and like those uh, systemic structures. But besides the point, I've seen my doctor do it the right way. And I think everybody else can do it the right way too, because I've seen it. And, um, and then I've just seen him help endless people, myself included. He, like, I got, I got jumped by some bouncers when I was 24 years old and he got me the best surgeon in Ohio to come in at three in the morning and handle my mom and all that kind of stuff at the time. So like he, I just have a lot of, um, love and passion for him and how he lives his life. So like, that's probably my favorite person in that I know. And on top of like Bert's great human too. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Oh, uh, last question. What's your biggest fear? Ooh. Uh, probably not reaching my potential. Um, and that's massively subjective, but like, that's the, um, the fear and like, that's, that goes a lot of different directions. Um, that's just like a life unlived because like my capacity to love capacity to work, like all these things, like we we're here for a reason, one way, shape or form. And the cool thing about being a human is we get to choose that reason. Um, and like my reason is to like be curious and help. So like, yeah, like not reaching my potential and like withering away and dying fat on the couch is a massive fear of mine. Like doing a normal nine to five is a massive fear of mine. Um, so like that's what kind of keeps me going from that. But like my potential is off the couch, uh, out of the system and like creating a life I want to live. And so I think, yeah, my biggest fear is unrealized potential and having to like live in like the matrix yeah, <laughs> in, in yeah. that realm because I, I like how you put the matrix it is the matrix for sure yeah and it's uh and it's really easy to get stuck there and like just one last physiological note like our bodies are designed to enjoy that pleasure yeah because like, like again if you look at life back in the day very rarely did we have food water and shelter and then so now like when we got those things back in the day our body says enjoy this rest save up for the next hunt the next shelter build the next mating whatever it ends up being but now like we have all those things solved and our body's not built for modern society. So we'll sit on the couch cause it feels good and it, and we'll, and our psychology will eventually support it. You have to fight that. Yeah. You, yeah. So constant battle against that. I, I can't wait. Jan one, John better prep cause you guys are gonna be managing my social media and whatever you want you, you, you get because then you'll have to prompt me. So yeah. I don't have to be on it. I will use a suitcase phone to call and make calls because oh, let's go I'm getting off a smartphone. That's awesome. It's going to be a I'll do long form media like this because this is where it's at. 
but I want to see if I could set an example that I could follow through with. Um, and, and, you know, Sebastian Younger was the example that I'm following who decided, hey, he was going to get off of that technology. That's dynamite just because, like, I, I, when people try and solve some of their problems or trying, like, again, like, a lot of life is addition by subtraction. Like, if yeah. you subtract the distractions, like, life gets a lot easier. Yeah. Um, but, like, people don't attack their environment. Like, yeah. that's the phone's part of our environment. Yeah. Like, the remote control is part of our environment. Like, yeah. the shit food we put in our house is part of our environment. They don't solve the environmental problem. Yeah, throw the fridge away. Get rid yeah. of all that shit. Yeah, you can change a lot of your life by changing your environment. And I think that's really cool. I, like, I, I'm I'm, I'm going to follow along. It'd be fun, man. It'd be yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, It'd be yeah. fun. Because it's going to be my media will shift and it'll look very different. But I think in the long-form podcast and in, in the way I communicate, I think I'll be in a healthier state. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that translates. Yeah, it's going to make you massively more intentional. Yeah. Because like, 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 I don't think people even look like how often are we training attention and distraction? We're training so much distraction now. And I like, I'm a victim myself, but like yep. in that realm, like everything needs to be intentional. Like if you want a meaningful life, everything's meaningful. Yeah. Like how, how you wake up, how I kiss my wife. Like, do I choose a cold shower? Or do I choose a warm shower? Like all these little things, if you attach meaning to it, well, why am I eating good food? Because that like, that's the fuel. Every cell in my body turns over in seven years. I can rebuild myself completely. I can lose 200 pounds. I've seen it done. Like, th like those things, like if everything's meaningful, like life's meaningful and then life gets fun. That's amazing, man. Yeah. How do people get a, a hold of you or find out what you guys got going on? Yeah, I got a bunch of different outlets. You can find me on social at Brian underscore Peters 10 on all socials. Um, I have my own podcast called Chasing Edges, same mindset that I learned. And then we have a company called The Mind Strong Project where we initially um, built up the breath work and the exposure training. Um, you can find us there. We're, uh, we're kind of doing our own consulting thing inside the company, but we have a brand on social media at The Mind Strong Project. Awesome, man. Brian, thank you so much for being on thank the podcast. You. Thanks, guys.